Hey y'all, this is Nicole, one third of the lovely ladies here at Down for the Count. And you guys are going to be listening to one of our special bonus episodes, one of many that we have coming up, which is in conjunction with our friends at We Love Wrestling. In this episode, we have Billy Dixon, and I was so excited to have this interview. So check it out and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Um, this is Nicole from Down for an Account Podcast, representing We Love Wrestling. And with me today, I have someone I'm a huge fan of, um, Billy Dixon. So, Billy, you want to say hi to the audience, introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. Wish Falcon. It's the new classic of professional wrestling. Billy Dixon, and I'm excited to be here. So excited. So Billy, there's a couple things well I've that I want to talk to you about. My main thing is because I was supposed to go to this show was um Paris's bumping. Ooh, my baby. <laughs> yes. So I was really excited to um go to that show. So obviously with that, what were you so what was your main goal of accomplishing what that you want to accomplish with you with this show and you want to show the audience um so <clears throat> uh paris is something that's kind of born out of um frustration i am a very proud black gay professional wrestler and i found that in some of the uh pride show spaces and things of that nature that it was a little whitewashed and that some of the people that were running pride promotions and organizations and shows were just flat out racist. And um, I was tired of a lot of the contributions of Black queer people throughout the decades being like uh, appropriated and not respected and celebrated and used by like people that like are not for us whatsoever. So um, I knew that I wanted to do something that celebrated Black queer excellence uh, in a very in-your-face, direct way that also kind of shuts up any kind of queerphobic, homophobic, or transphobic person in wrestling because the parallels between the ballroom scene and the professional wrestling scene are so direct, it's hard to ignore once confronted with it. So one night I um, was smoking some devil's lettuce (laughs) and I was watching ECW and I had watched Paris is Burning, the uh, documentary that inspired the name of the show. And I was just like, okay, uh, so good. And, and I was just like, um, these two worlds need to meet and it needs to be the extreme of the feminine and the extreme of the masculine. And there's no way to really like kind of temper that. So I sat down and I was writing of like match combinations and looking at it and going, this is possible. This could be really different. This could be really a game changer um, for the community and um, things like that. So I sat down and I was just like, I can do this. This is a show that I can do. Um, And then I, you know, was like, oh my God, let's do this. And I, you know, had a budget in mind and luckily I had connects that were making it very, very easy for me 
to do it. And I was able to bypass the DC commission because the show would be run in Maryland and in Maryland, there is a commission, but because it's no ring death match, it's considered like an art form. So you don't have to pay those things. And I was just focused on the talent and the, the, the balls and the categories. And that's how it was conceptualized. And I realized that like, this could be real and this could happen. I love, so the whole, so I love, um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Nobody, uh, Nobody's Watch Wrestling. Oh yeah, those are my sisters. I love them. So my favorite thing that they always say is wrestling is drag. And I am 100% under the sentiment that it is. Just like you said, just because the pageantry and everything. So I always, like you said, like I'm the same way. I always get kind of affronted when I feel like a lot of our gay, trans, um, wrestlers and promoters and stuff aren't really taken as seriously because it's like what do you think you're doing you're doing pageantry like this is like this is what they know about but speaking of that so obviously as a black um a black gay man especially within this climate how important is this just to pair it a little bit off of the show, how important, more important is it for you to show audience, not, not, not just wrestling audiences, but audience in general, just the vast of the ballroom scene and voguing and where that actually comes from, because I feel like that kind of gets lost in translation and over time about how that was created by black queer culture and how yeah. we're trying to take that back. Yeah, I mean, it was born out of frustration with racism in the gay community, for God's sakes. You know, Crystal Labasia had enough and created this world in part. And I think that, you know, a lot of it is a lack of education. I think that a lot of people don't know that, like, there were movements inside of a movement. And um, it's important for me because I feel like you know, and a lot of wrestlers and a lot of people don't, they think that it's just silly prancing around in the ballroom community and the ballroom scene. And it's like, these people are so athletic and they have rigorous stamina and it's very physical what these performers do. Um, and everybody who doesn't know about athleticism and I mean, putting everything out there, you know, I encourage you to watch it's on YouTube, Tandy Iman Dupree, Lip Syncing to I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler for a pageant in which she did a, uh, a split from the ceiling to the floor um, and danced her heart out, lip synced her heart out, physicality, jumps, lifts, all those kind of things. Um, and, and that's like Black queer accents to me. And I think that, you know, it's great to see that there are queer people of color in the highest points of the wrestling scene but I think that there still needs to be a little bit of an introduction to what it is to be black and queer besides just, and I'm a wrestler. Like, I, I think that that's a little, that, that doesn't really work for me. It may work for someone else, but I really want to celebrate what it is I come from. And I'm from New York City. So I come from like the epicenter of, you know, this movement and where it, it took off. So, um, and participated in it. And uh, I, 
I want it to be uh, an educational lesson and also for people to really see those parallels up front and personal. And also just for people to realize that like what the idea of a wrestling show is and can be is, is infinite and we don't have to do the same thing for every show. I really like shows that are trying to take wrestling in a new twist, a new direction, a new vision, you know? I 100% agree, and I love that. Obviously, I don't think, I feel like we're slowly trying to move away, and this is us, and I think like a lot of the newer, wolves, well, not everyone, but a good chunk of us, of the newer generation of wrestling fans are specifically trying to move away from the old boys club mentality that has brought so much chaos on like the industry for so long like yes we do love like obviously we love like our randy savage matches and obviously bret hart and all that but we want to show like we want us represented in the best way possible and something that we love so much but also with this finally we us getting being more vocal and especially like the queer culture within the industry being showcased more do you think it's a long time coming or do you believe it's more of a show of the times um i think that's a long time coming and i think it's both i think we're in a time where representation is a part of the conversation point blank period and i think that the hard work of the community um is, is is undeniable and the impact that has been made and the ability for money to be drawn uh, has been made implicitly clear so i think that that's why we're seeing things the way they are 100 percent agree so with um obviously with the black lives matter movement and i don't want to i don't i hate using the word full swing but us finally gaining traction with that um, how do you think that's going to affect the indie wrestling scene or just the wrestling scene in general? Do you think it's going to finally bring about changes for when we go look at a card for a show and you maybe see one black person to us getting more bookings and getting showcase marks? I know um, the IWTV, um, Black Lives Matter, mixtape that they did the other week um showcase like how many talented black wrestlers and personalities that we have that aren't getting used and it just made me like I was so happy to see it but it made me upset at the same time so how do you think that the industry is going to hopefully evolve from this um well, here's the thing. I think that, first of all, shout out to Jay Rose for that um, beautiful presentation. I mean, that was phenomenal. Um, but I think that I want to be optimistic, but at the same time, I know better. And I hate, mm -hmm. I hate to be that way. I think that for some promoters, it will be, okay, they're being loud. 
I'm going to shut them up and then I'm going to go back to doing whatever the fuck I want to do. Um, I, I, I really would like for the movement to actually be supporting Black-owned wrestling promotions, majority POC promotions to begin with, and inclusive promotions. I wish that that kind of was more of the narrative that we're trying to do, instead of yeah. begging these white promoters who clearly didn't care for us before and feel pressured to now to have us on their shows. I wish that more emphasis was on creating our own um, and, and, and elevating our own. And, I, and I, that's kind of my frustration is that, you know, for me personally, I will never beg to be on somebody's show. I don't care who you are. You know, I believe in talent speaks for itself. If you like what I do, cool. If you don't, cool, whatever. And you do your thing, you know what I mean? Um, but I just don't want it to be where people feel like we've made traction when I know that these promoters are just waiting for this national conversation to die down so that they can revert back to their old ways. Because yes. that mixtape provided example after example after example after example of a diverse eclectic group of performers and so many more that we don't even see that's the thing too there's so many more performers that didn't make the tape but yeah. the very best and it was very humbling to be a part of the very best but the very best are only getting two or three bookings a month if that and um to me it shows that like there is a clear problem um, and there is a clear solution. And I think that companies like Fight Club, Super Crazy, uh, I think it's Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, I might be wrong, or ATL Wrestling, um, places like that that are doing the work anyways, you know, and that show everything patterned from the UK. Like there are places that are, are, are are, are for us, by us, that I really wish we would dip our money and support into and not everybody go crazy because a white promoter that runs one of the most successful indies after years of being told his shows weren't diverse enough added a bunch of wrestlers in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. That doesn't impress me. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Um, but who knows? Maybe we'll see change. I'm pessimistic for a reason. Because I know a lot of the true intentions and some of the actions of these people behind the scenes. And I'm just like, you're going to have to do a lot for me to be like, okay. And that's the one thing, like, we try to be positive because I feel like especially us, like, us Black folks, we try to try to just, like, trudge through and be like, there's, hopefully there's, there's a rainbow at the end of all this which mm -hmm. I'm trying to do, and I'm 100% agree. It's I'm at the point, and that's what we're doing with our network in general. We're like, I'm not asking for a seat at a table anymore. I'm just going to build my own table in my own place. 100%. I don't, I, you know, that analogy of the table has always bothered me because of, like, there is a Shirley uh, Chisholm quote that says, I'm paraphrasing, if they don't offer you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And there's a scene from Peanuts, um, the Peanuts, Charlie Brown, um, 
show, cartoon, where uh, I forget the, the one black guy that they had on the show. Character. Yeah, he was sitting by himself. In a folding chair. Yeah. And everybody else was sitting in like wooden chairs. And that worked, and that idea was right for those times, for her times. My take on that analogy is I want to take a hammer to the table, destroy it, and force everybody to make a picnic. You can't stop people from coming to a picnic. There's no seats at a picnic. It's just space. And that's the problem. Tables create height, which create hierarchy and create exclusivity. But picnics are, you can't create a force field or a level of hierarchy if you're all sitting on the ground at the same plane. So I don't want tables anymore. I want a picnic. And that's just the way I see it. That's actually amazing. And if you don't mind, I will be parroting that. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm at the point now, especially and we're all this, that's how our collective came about. We were just tired. And so we're just tired of us people who look like us because there's literally, we have Mexican, Puerto Rican, Black, like there's so many of us were like, you know what, I'm tired. It's like, we want to have a place that we can celebrate all people, whether it be queer, um, people who have um, disabilities, um, black, white, age, everything that isn't showcased when we're looking within the industry. And I just, and that's why I really want to speak with you because I commend you for everything that you're doing and that you have been doing. This is before even the Black Lives Matter really became in the forefront, became quote unquote mainstream. Everything that you've done of trying to showcase the beauty within of our, the Black queer culture within the wrestling industry in general. So again, I thank you for that. And I thank you. And to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, sometimes you just got to do the right thing, you know, and I don't see it as like heroic or special. I just see it as like, this needs to be done. And luckily, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be in positions where I could do that with the platforms I've been given, you know, especially for the black queer community, which, you know, we don't, we're very not vocal about until recently about the things we've been through. But it's, it, you know, a lot of us sat and talked and we like have a lot of the same stories and the same struggles and fight. So it, it's good that, you know, before the pandemic happened that I was able to introduce a concept and also be a part of a show that really highlighted amazing black queer performers. Love that. So hopefully I'm just praying that we can actually go safely outside because I want to go to Paris's bumping. When I tell you, I was so upset. I know obviously you were since that's your baby, but I was so excited. I was like, I can literally watch a ballroom show and then someone get hit in the face in the same, yeah, the span of the same minute. So I was just so excited. I said, I get to watch violence and dancing. It's like, how exciting is that? There are so many. When it comes to Paris's building, you know, I really uh, 
was trying to make a very different wrestling experience. And I think that people, you know, it, my target audience wasn't your diehard, you know, I subscribe to Dave Meltzer type of fans. It was new yeah. people. And, and I wanted to do a show for the butch queens that I know are wrestling fans, but never go to wrestling shows because they don't feel safe. And I wanted to create a safe environment where it's like, this is for you. Enjoy it. It is, it is designed for you to enjoy. And don't let nobody take your enjoyment of your arts away from you, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, it will happen. It may be a long time away from now because I will not have a show where people are literally putting, you know, for the fans in a, in a position where they could die because they attended yeah. in some way. And also as a promoter in that sense, I'm not going to ask the people that are wrestling for me to put their lives on the line in two different ways. Number one, with the moves that they do in the ring. And number two, with the fact that they may contract a life-threatening virus. That's just completely irresponsible and incredibly selfish um, for, uh, for, for me to do. Um, so I just don't feel comfortable doing that, which is why I like when things get calm and like, you know, the, the, curve has been flattened if there is a vaccine whatever like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it and then we'll party but until then you know we'll we'll, we'll do some other things i have some things um to keep us going that i would like to um start putting on social media well i'm excited for those something but yes i do agree like obviously we want everyone to stay safe and we do miss and it's like and we do miss wrestling but it's at the same time it's like I'd rather wait till I can I don't feel freaked out sitting in the show or freaked out for the performers going to the show but um so what made you originally fall in love with wrestling um I watched it with my grandparents, and we just we just um we just watched every Monday. We watched Raw every Monday, and the house was divided between Stone Cold and The Rock, and it was just a fun time. I feel like that was just uh, I loved. I want looking back on it now because at first like you know you think it's like okay like it's amazing but then you realize like once you get older especially like the progression of their feud and you're like wow this was actually like amazing like I wasn't just blindsided because I was a child I mean yeah because you're a kid but at the same time like this is actually just beautiful to watch but and then on our last note, so I know we talked a little bit. So what are you most looking forward to once everything is, the curve is hopefully flattened and the things are kind of, we can sort of return to life safely without any major repercussions. What are you most looking forward to? I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. What was the question again? Um, so once everything like the curve is flattened and everything is kind of taken care of, what are you most looking forward to doing? Um, 
so within wrestling, just hanging out with my friends. I miss my friends so much. Outside of wrestling, I'm trying to go to the club. I'm trying to, you know, go to some concerts. I'm trying to uh, see some uh, friends and family members I haven't seen. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to just being free. I mean, luckily, um, you know, I moved to a lovely house. Um, and by my house is a beautiful private beach. So Ooh. I've been able to go to the beach because the beach has rules and we are incredibly socially distanced at the pool. I mean, not the pool, the beach. Um, so that's been nice. Some kind of activity to do. But I mean, I'm just looking forward to for like going back to normal. And I miss entertaining people and meeting fans and giving fans hugs and talking to them and like connecting with people. Uh, and I miss the art. I miss what I do. I miss uh, the hurt. The longer we go without wrestling, the worse it's going to hurt when we come back because the callus will wear off. But I'm just ready for the world to reopen when it's safe to do so. And to really kind of what this quarantine has taught me is life is to be enjoyed and life is fleeting and you never know when your time will come. So really to make the most out of whatever remainder of life that I have left. And that sounds, I, I do, I miss going to a club. I didn't realize how much I miss going to a club when I haven't been to one in like, I feel like it's been a year. It probably has been a year. But um, again, Billy, thank you. Sorry for the prior technical difficulties. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak, uh, speak to us today. Oh, of course. It was a pleasure. This was such a nice conversation. And um, thank you so much for inviting me with the platform. It's much appreciated. Oh, it's no problem. So, um, obviously once this gets, um, we get this cause we're doing our soft launch of the site tomorrow and then we're going to do our hard launch. So within the next, I want to say couple of weeks, probably like a week or two, this interview will be up. So it'll be up on our website, Facebook page, um, all of our socials and our separate podcasts as well. So we'll, I'll let you know, then I'll be tagging you and stuff as well. Okay. That sounds perfect. All right. Again, thank you so much, Billy. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this special episode. Again, please make sure that you are following us at our various social medias down for our account, both at Instagram and on Twitter. Also, please make sure you check out the website We Love Wrestling, W-E-L-U-V Wrestling.com, which we are one of the many contributors of the site. So please check it out. We are very proud of it. Also, while you're at it, please make sure you're also checking out our Pro Wrestling Tees store. We have two We Love Wrestling shirts available. One of them is a pride shirt, which all of the proceeds that we receive will be going to the Alley Forney Center in New York City. All right. Have a wonderful day, guys. Peace out.